everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Whether it's a handwritten note or an experience that's personalized when you visit a website or anything else, I think standing out through personalization, there's been study after study by companies like Segment that say that's a huge opportunity. Keepsakes, mementos, treasures, heirlooms, whatever you call them, everyone has certain things that they hold dear. For many people, handwritten notes fall into that category. In a world filled with 240 character tweets, rapid fire text messages, and a stuffed email inbox, getting a handwritten note means more than ever, even if it comes from a brand. Personalization is one of the buzziest words in e-commerce, and every business is trying to find a way to give its customers the best, most personal experience possible. David Wax is helping with that. David is the CEO of Handwritten, which uses robots to send personal handwritten notes, which have a 300% higher open rate than other types of communication. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, David explains why personalization is the way of the future, Plus, he dives into the thinking behind subscription-based services and what it takes for your subscription to stand out to investors. David also shares the advice that he received from Conan O'Brien that stayed with him his entire life. Enjoy this episode. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hey listeners, it's Stephanie. Before we dive into the episode, I want to let you in on a little secret. Did you know that Mission has the number one e-commerce newsletter? It's amazing. It has really good news and insights and case studies that you will not find anywhere else. So go subscribe, mission.org slash up next in commerce. All right, on to the show. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder of mission.org. Today on the show, we have David Wax, the CEO of Handwritten, spelled with a Y. David, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I just went down a great wormhole of watching your robots write letters. And I think that's a great starting point to kind of hear how you came to be at Handwritten. What brought you to found it? Yeah, so uh, this is actually my second venture. My first one was in the text messaging space. So I started that one before the iPhone came out and we kind of rode the wave of, mobile technology with the iPhone and all that. And by the end, um, we were sending millions of messages a day on behalf of major brands like Toys R Us, <laughs> a lot of brands that are now uh, bankrupt, but yeah. no fault of ours, but Toys R Us, Sam's Club, Office Max, um, Abercrombie & Fitch. And what we did was we helped them connect with their customers 
through text messages. Mm -hmm. um, and we found, and then we also did iPhone apps and Android apps and all that, but we were, our, our, our core was really text messages. And what we found was it really, really worked. I mean, these were not spam messages. These were people opted in. So they actually wanted to receive Abercrombie and Fitch offers, et cetera, straight to their cell phone. And when we sent out those offers, um, they'd have literally lines out the door. Uh, we work with um, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, which was a big, uh, is a big smoothie shop chain. And every time they sent out an offer, I, I'd walk into a tropical smoothie and I'd say, you know, how's this mobile thing working? And they'd say, without, and they didn't know who I was. And they'd say, oh my gosh, every time we do it, we have to staff up because we sell so many smoothies. So I, I knew we had something good, but at the same time, I helped create a monster because everybody nowadays is getting inundated with probably 50 text messages a day you know, from family and commercial texts and right now political texts, several hundred emails a day. You know, I think the average office worker receives about 150 emails a day and spends 28% of their time sorting through all that email. And then you add stuff like Twitter and Facebook and um, Slack and all the Instagram, all these other electronic forms of communication um, maybe I'm just old, but for me, it all just becomes noise. Yeah. It's very noisy right now. Like you said, especially with the political texts that I'm getting, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting like five a day. Stop it. I don't want them I anymore. <laughs> I know it all just becomes noise. Uh, the average 35 to 44 year old receives nearly 1600 texts a month. The average 18 to 24 year old receives 4,000 a month. Wow. And what I know and what you know is no matter how personalized that email or that text looks, you know, hey, David, thank you so much for your purchase of this coffee grinder or whatever, that text was automated or that mm -hmm. email was automated. And we immediately discount the value of it, right? Like yep. half of them or way more than half, I never even read because you just know it's automated junk. And then junk mail, you know, the slick stuff that comes in your mailbox goes directly to your trash can. But what I realized um, right before leaving my last company is handwritten notes, not only do they get opened, but they get treasured. I have a bookshelf behind me at my last job that had the handwritten notes I received. My salespeople had all the handwritten notes they received. And what I wanted to do was um, when I, got rid of my, when I sold my last company is I wanted to send handwritten thank you notes uh, to my employees and send handwritten thank you notes to my best clients, thanking them for helping me build up this company and sell it and all the rest. And I started doing that. I sat down with the best intentions and very quickly my hand got sore or I ran out of stamps or I screwed up a card and I had to get another one. And I just realized there had to be a better way. So that's a long explanation on how I ended up with handwritten which is what we have today. And what handwritten is a combination of software on the front end and then robots on the back end. So you visit handwritten.com or use our iPhone app, Android app, Zapier, salesforce.com integration, which is a big integration for us. And I know a sponsor of the show, um, yeah. HubSpot integration, all these ways to get your handwritten notes into the system. And then we use robots, real robots that we 
uh, have a patent pending on, and I can get into how we develop those, but they're custom robots we built. Robots holding real ballpoint pens that actually then write out the notes and mail them on your behalf. The end result is completely indistinguishable from a human. And we're doing this for large brands and small brands and individuals. You know, consumers can go on and send their mother uh, a birthday card, for example, all the way up to major brands. Your mom might know. She'd be like, that's not your handwriting, Stephanie. Like, do you guys have any (laughs) tech that maybe could mimic handwriting where I could go in there and write a, a couple words and then your robots come in and write it similar to my handwriting? So... Uh, not exactly. What we do is if you really want your handwriting recreated, um, we have worksheets for you. It's like you're back in middle school and you have to fill in all the letters and all the numbers multiple times because we need multiple variations and we need ligature combinations. So like two O's together, two L's together. Do you cross your your two T's with one crossbar or two? Mm -hmm. Um, we take all that into account and we create a very robust, uh, handwriting just for you, but it's, it's an expensive one-time thing. So yeah. you pay for it once, it's yours, it's in the system. You can use it as much as you want, no additional charge. But, um, but most fun. of our clients are businesses, not you know you sending to your mother. So for, for them, it doesn't really matter as much. And mm-hmm. honestly, I dissuade people from creating their handwriting style because it is so expensive. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, maybe some case studies or like the ROI that some of your clients are seeing when they send out a note that looks personalized versus just the, you know, a typical letter or something that's written up by a computer and is very obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I have a bunch of stats here, but I don't want to like constantly give you footnotes on the stats. So if I say any stats that are of interest to any of your listeners, just visit handwritten.com. That's handwritten with a Y and you can pull up all the resources and, you know, double check be a fact, you know, fact checker, et cetera. But handwritten envelopes, just the envelopes, have a 300% or a three-time greater open rate than printed envelopes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's been shown, you know, you just Google that stat and that pops up everywhere. And then also response rates are anywhere from 20 to 50% higher. We work with a bespoke suit company based in Canada. They send out coupons every year around the holidays And those coupons um, come with a handwritten note from their CEO and his handwriting style with his signature. And those coupons have a 18% redemption rate when usually the company's coupon redemption rate is closer to the three to 5% rate. So um, it's been very effective for them. We have other clients. Let me see here. We have uh, some retention improvements. So we have a client that does meal box or actually snack boxes for offices. Basically, they'll send you a huge box of snacks every two weeks with like beef jerky or, you know, crackers and cookies and all that. And what they do is if they accidentally send your office the wrong snack box, they'll follow up with a handwritten note in the right snacks. Um, Now, Obviously, the additional snacks help increase retention, but the handwritten note doesn't hurt. And what they find is if they screw up a client and they send them this snack box, that customer ends up having a greater lifetime value than if they never screwed up in the first place. That's smart. I mean, not only are you getting more times to get in front of that customer, but then you can show them how great the customer experience is even when things go wrong. And yeah, it seems like you would be a lot more memorable by actually messing up. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Um, we have some side effects of these because most people just get like one or two handwritten notes a month now. Um, you know, not like the good, good old days when they received a bunch. 
people literally Instagram and tweet these things. So we work with a company called Vinyl. What they are is they're like a vinyl, well, they are a vinyl record subscription service. So if you're really into old school vinyl, they will look at your um, Spotify account and your other, I don't know about Pandora, but you know, other music services, they'll see what you listen to and then they'll send you vinyl records that they recommend based on your, um, your habits. And with those vinyl records, they'll include a handwritten note written by us. So we'll, every day we'll write up a whole bunch of their handwritten notes, send them back to vinyl, they'll get inserted with these orders. And not only do people love those, those notes, they then post them on Instagram and on Twitter. That creates a viral aspect that then helps drive more business back to vinyl. Um, we've seen the same thing with a morning YouTube show. It's one of the largest um, morning YouTube shows on, on the planet. They're a client of ours, and they were launching a um, like a fan club where you'd pay five or twenty five bucks a month or whatever to be a part of their fan club. The first thing they'd send you was this handwritten note from the two hosts of the morning show. And um, what's funny is they didn't change up the language on that note at all. Everybody got the same note with the exception of Dear Stephanie or you know whatever. But the rest of the note was identical. All these people are posting these photos of this note to Twitter over and over again. And I mean, it's the same note, just different names over and over. And people were so upset if, the, if their note did not arrive within a few days. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they were so looking forward to receiving a note from these two YouTube guys. So was there any backlash on that? Because I could see some people feeling like maybe they, you know, were tricked or especially earlier when you were talking about retention, like if someone is sending out a set of vinyl records every month and see similar handwriting or the exact same one every single time, like it seems like there could be a risk of someone saying, hey, this isn't actually authentic. You kind of tricked me. Like, have you seen that backlash or how do you guys approach that when it comes to a subscription model with someone who's maybe sending out, you know, a same snack box every month with the note in it that people will eventually be like, oh yeah, this is obviously not a person writing it. It's the same, you know, every single time. Yeah. So a couple, that's a great question. So with the vine, with vinyl, um, they've got a number of personalities that are the, the box curators. So, you know, there's like 10 or some, some odd people that um, are responsible for making these recommendations. Each one of those people was assigned one of our handwriting styles. If you get a note from Cody, it'll be in Tenacious Nick, one of our, you know, our, our handwriting style called Tenacious Nick this month. And then next month you get a message from Susie. It might be in Chill Charity. The following month, if you get one from Cody again, it'll be back in Tenacious Nick. So you'll associate Tenacious Nick with Cody. And then that's how that works. We Got have it. not seen a backlash. Um, with the morning YouTube show, I was shocked that they didn't see it because they weren't, I mean, it's just so easy. I mean, we vary stuff on the notes, you know, so we, in fact, we worked with a, uh, a home fitness gym thing and they wanted a note from their founder included with, with every one of their products. And they were annoyed with us that there was variation in the writing. And we said, well, That's this, a good isn't thing. <laughs> a, this isn't a print product. Every line's not supposed to look, identically look like the other card. They were just not a great client for us because of that. They wanted everything to be exact. I'm like, that's not how people write, you know? Yeah, that's actually the exact question I was going to ask is like, do you incorporate errors or smudges or just like, you know, every like, how do you think about building the technology behind the scenes to make it more real? Yeah, for sure. So we actually built our own font engine for one, leveraging um, some best of class technologies underneath it all. But we do stuff like 
the left margin of the card is not straight. So it's not like um, every letter, you know, of every line starts on the same X position as the line mm-hmm. above it. There's what we call jitter. It moves in or moves out very subtly, but a couple of points, a point is a 72nd of an inch for those that don't know. But, um, but yeah, so we move those, those letters in and out so that there's some variation there. We also do the same thing with interline or intraline. I always screw that up, but the spacing between lines. So one line might be slightly closer to the line above it and slightly farther from the line below it than the next one uh, and vice versa. So there is some line spacing stuff going on there. Then, like I said, the letters themselves alter quite a bit. We've got, you know, at least four or five copies of every letter plus ligature combos. So you might have three copies of an L, but then we also have three copies of two L's together. So there's a lot of variation in going into our handwriting. We do not, and we get this a lot, we don't curve the text, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not, so there is a little bit of uh, maybe over precision on the, you know, the text is, is fairly straight. Now the page might be slightly rotated so that the text runs up page ever so slightly or down the page ever so slightly, but it's not like the text is going to be on a roller coaster and go up and then down and, you know, yep. and back again. It's, it's, it's relatively consistent and we are working on that, but it has not been a problem and it still very much passes most people's internal Turing tests of what looks human versus what looks robotic. Yep. Um, yeah, we don't want to, we, we don't want to overdo it. Like the line jittering and the left margin jittering is all very, very subtle so that it's not like creating some uncanny valley that looks totally bogus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, those are some of the things we do there. We work with a, um, a mattress company, and they include these in every mattress box. There's a thank you so much for buying our mattress. And then there was a, what I call a doodle. So they made like, I think like eight of these little pieces of art. And so the words, thank you for your mattress, were not in one of our handwriting styles. They were actually, it's a direct replica of somebody writing that. And then below that, the doodle is a direct replica of somebody drawing a doodle. So it could be moon and the stars, or there's one of somebody sleeping in a bed with a little thought cloud showing what they're dreaming of, a little cat. What was cool about that is with eight variations, if you buy a mattress, if you buy two mattresses from them, one might have one little note from one guy in it, and then the next mattress might have a note from somebody else in it, so it looks really, really real. And then you, you post those to Twitter, it, it really shows up well there. So, you know, that's what I recommend doing with your, if you're doing the same note over and over in volume. Let's just mix it up a little bit. It doesn't cost you really anything more after you get going, and you have some great variation. I saw that you guys moved to having a subscription model, which a lot of guests who come on the show, they talk about thinking about doing that or some of them have recently. Like, how did you guys know it was the right time to move into a subscription model? That's a great question. You're the first person to, uh, to ask me that. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a number of reasons we did that. And I will be bluntly honest because I think it's of most value to everybody. Number one, from an investment. Now, I've uh, self-funded handwritten to date for the last six years. And I uh, intend to continue doing that. However, there we were just written up in the Inc. 500 as in, we, we had a good placement in the Inc. 500, and that created a lot of interest by investors. And mm-hmm. one thing investors are looking for is a recurring revenue model. 
And while most of our clients recur every month, you know, we have like solar panel installers that send thousands of messages a month. It's not structured as a recurring revenue model. It's just whatever you do, you pay for the next month. You don't do anything. You don't pay anything for it. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to come up with a structure for a, a subscription model that would work. On the flip side, we had customers that, uh, and this is more the PR friendly answer, but they're both, they're both totally true. On the flip side, we had customers that wanted to send a lot of notes a month, but didn't want to do them all at once and didn't want to do a huge prepay buy. So like before this, there were two ways to get discounts. One was to do a huge prepay where you said, okay, I'm going to send 10,000 notes over the next couple months and I'll pay for that at a discount or go on our website and bulk upload a spreadsheet of 10,000 notes. You know, and for a lot of people, those two models don't work. Like, what if I'm sending 10 cards a month, but they're spread out over the course of a month? I mean, I'm still sending 10 cards. Can't they get a little bit of a, a discount on that? So we tried to come up with a model that, that serves them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's tough because unlike an email provider or a CRM provider or anybody else, we have hard costs. You know, forget about the cardstock and the labor that goes into every card and, and all that. We have a 55 cent stamp on every card and that's expensive. You know what I mean? It took us years to think of a way that would make this work. And what we decided was you prepay for credit. That credit gets you, it goes on your account. So you prepay 35 bucks, you get 35 bucks of credit on your account. But that credit also gets you a 15% discount on all orders not just on the orders you spend the $35 on. After you exhaust that $35, you, you, you still get that discount moving forward for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the model that we came up with because we wanted to provide value. We don't want to rip anybody off, but we needed a recurring revenue option. And it is strictly an option. Like you can use our service for the rest of your life without ever using one of these subscription models. I think the, the one thing that came to mind was um, I've been listening to a lot of different interviews with SaaS founders and talking about how, you know, the subscription model, the future is not as much about like, you know, getting into a long-term contract and it's more actually kind of pulling back to where, you know, only pay for what you use and it's not actually locking you into a contract anymore because a lot of people are nervous about that or maybe even prepaying. So were there any surprises that maybe you guys have seen within the last week and a half as you implemented Mm -hmm. this or pushback from customers or anything where you're like, oh, we weren't expecting that or... You know, the consumer maybe thought this one thing, but actually our plan was different and we adjusted it. Like anything that you had to change after launching? What was surprising for me, yeah, there's there's a few things. Uh, nothing that was a gotcha and nothing were really changing. It was more interesting. Okay, so we had somebody cancel their plan today. They signed up and then immediately canceled. And the discount you get, so if you sign up and you get the 15% off, that's 15% off the cards. That's mm-hmm. not 15% off gift cards, which should go without saying, but maybe we have to add some language to the fact, the FAQ and all that, because I mean, that would be a arbitrage opportunity for somebody, you know, you go on our website, you buy a visa card for 15% off. You then take that visa card and buy more visa cards for 15. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just crazy town. So it's good. You didn't figure that out the hard way. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, this is prepay for a while has always locked you out. I mean, when you prepay for something, you're prepaying for um, the service, not for gift cards. It just, it it clearly yeah. does not work. I mean, it, it could be a huge issue. So 
um, that was one. And we had a woman that was very upset that she didn't get a discount on her, on her, mm-hmm. on her gift cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And we refunded her. We have a, we have a money back guarantee. So if anybody uses our service and they don't like the service, they don't like the handwriting, they don't like the card quality, they don't like the subscription, you know, whatever, we'll just give you your money back. And I think more companies need to broadcast their money back guarantee because even if they don't think they have one, they have one where like, you know, before we on our website yet, we have our money back guarantee. Before that, if anybody called and complained, we still gave them their money back. We just didn't advertise that we had a money back guarantee. So we gave the service without getting the benefit, if you know what I mean, side point. So, so um, point number one was people were shocked that you don't get a discount on gift cards, creating an arbitrage. One person, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) Point number two. So we have a 10% plan, a uh, 15% off plan and a 20% off plan. And we might go 25%, but I'm actually surprised so many people subscribe for, for 10% off. I didn't, I didn't realize 10% off would move the needle where people yeah. would be willing to subscribe. But, um, you know, if you're in that area where you send that many cards, why not subscribe? So that's great. And I'm glad people are using it. In fact, it's our most popular plan right now. And then, uh, so that was two. And then three, which I kind of expected, but um, my expectation was 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 realized, um, was people, we, we have a cancel at any time type offer. So we have a lot of people signing up for the 10% off plan, sending five cards and then canceling the plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fine. You know, if they, if they want to do that, you know, I'm not going to stop people from doing it. It's not, we, we, it's more important to us to be transparent and create a plan that has no lock-in, you know, yep. than, and, and deal with the people that are just trying to take advantage of it. If, if they want to do that, fine. Yeah. I mean, it also seems like that you're still getting that sale. And it will probably be remembered in the future. And they're like, oh, that was a good experience. Okay, I'm going to go back again. So maybe it's not as harmful as even though, you know, initially you might be like, ah, that's annoying. But it maybe is a future customer that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's totally it's totally fine. I've still sold them five cards or whatever it is. So it's it's no it's no big deal. It's just it's funny how people will kind of go out of their way to save 10 percent. I mean, 10 (laughs) percent for me doesn't really move the needle, but whatever. I know. Yeah, that's very interesting that 10%. Yeah, moves people to act like that. But I mean, how I think the biggest thing that you are kind of also saying is like the clarity in the subscription model, which I think is really important. And that a lot of companies don't get right from the start, because they can make really confusing ones. So right now, it also seems like uh, there could be, well, twofold, either a big opportunity in direct mail, or it's noisier than ever, because brands know that people are home, and they're, you know, starting to do direct mail, where maybe they weren't doing that a year ago. So how are you thinking about direct mail right now and making sure that, you know, your notes are getting opened? Like, is there still an opportunity or is that kind of dried up with where we're at right now? So I will say we are the largest handwriting provider in the world. And based on our volume, I will tell you there is room for improvement there. You know, we have very large brands using us, but it's still just a drop in the bucket of everybody that could use us. I think a lot of brands just don't even know it's an option, you know? Mm-hmm. There's the BCG matrix, which is like the hardest thing to sell is a new product to a new customer. You know, if you're an office supplier and you start selling your existing customer a different type of pen, well, A, they're an existing customer and they've already bought a pen from you. So that's an easy sell. 
if you're selling a new customer a pen, people know about pens too, easy sell. But if you're selling Joe on the street that you've never met, a handwriting service, it's very hard. So there is a bunch of that and we're doing our best to raise awareness. That's been targeting, quite frankly, a lot of Facebook advertising. We used to just go after Google and SEO, SEM, that type of stuff. But but now we're, we're trying to drive awareness through Facebook and LinkedIn and all the rest. But yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity for brands to do this because nobody is doing it, or very few are doing it in a consistent, structured manner where, you know, some of our clients come to us and do a one-off campaign, a one-off promotion, and then they'll say, oh, that was the greatest promotion we've ever done. We'll reconsider it again next year. And you're Mm -hmm. thinking, why is it a promotion in the first place? That should be an ongoing part of your CRM outreach strategy. Um, right now, we're developing a whole program just for automotive dealers to do just that, where you buy a car, you immediately receive a handwritten thank you. A couple of weeks later, you receive a service offer, birthday card, happy holidays card, et cetera. And it just repeats without the dealer even having to think about it. And I think that model of moving it away from being a promotion to being a part of your CRM strategy is really what needs to happen. But you know, a lot of other Online brands actually have the advantage over traditional retail because they have the home addresses of the clients where the retailers um, may or may not, depending on if Mm -hmm. they're in the loyalty program. So online brands have this huge benefit of creating a one-to-one personalization opportunity through handwritten notes that brick and mortars might not. So um, there's that. And then also right now, it's kind of at the disservice of large B2B brands because they might have your work address, but then they don't have your home address. So they're kind of left out of the shuffle too. But even before this COVID crisis, we were seeing online brands take much better advantage of this than in store. Uh, And I can give you a perfect example here. We work with a very high-end perfumery that makes a very expensive cologne and very expensive perfume. And I was walking and we send everybody that buys this cologne and perfume from their website, they receive a very beautiful handwritten note thanking them for their purchase, et cetera. But if you walk into a department store, I walked in there with my wife and kids, we were walking through the mall and we walked into this department store prior to COVID. And um, I found the product and I was showing it to my wife and a store rep came over and said, um, you know, this is the product. I said, oh yes, thank you. Um, I'm just showing it to my wife because we send out your handwritten notes. And she said, no, you don't. I have to send my own handwritten notes. And I explained what what I meant. And she said, you know, as a store rep, we're supposed to send handwritten notes, but we're too busy talking to customers like you, finishing up a sale, cleaning up the merchandising of the department, doing whatever else is required. We never get around to it. So even though we have the best intentions in place, because it's not automated for us, we don't get to it. And we've been pushing this perfumery to offer the same service to their in-store experience, which would create a much better personal one-to-one experience than the online only. Um, where we've done a really good job with of this, or really the client, we have, you know, it's all about the client. It's a high-end luxury leather goods company. So they make handbags, purses, shoes, that type of thing. And there, every time you make any purchase whatsoever in one of their retail outlets, that's uh, a handwritten note goes out from our service, but it's signed by the store clerk that you worked with, or it has their name and their phone number at the bottom of the note. So we automated what this perfumery didn't, basically, yeah. and we, we tied it That's to the end. So, um, so, but the short answer to your question is, I, I still think there's a huge opportunity here. And quite frankly, 
people are very lonely right now. And any handwritten mail, I think, will yeah. get savored and opened and really show you that. You need a good handwritten note. <laughs> they really do. And, you know. Now's the time. Yeah. People, people have the time for it. And I think, so, so two things. Like, one, you know, maybe they might not believe it's actually handwritten if they start getting thousands of these a day or something, which will never happen. But, but you know, they might say, oh, gee, this is... Um, not actually handwritten, but that doesn't stop people when they get their Christmas card from the president, depending on what year, you know, what yep. election year it is. But if they get their Christmas card from the president, they probably realize the president didn't sit down and sign a Christmas card to them. Yeah. But it almost doesn't matter. It's the thought that counts. And there is that they went above and beyond just laser printing a note. They figured out a way to send me something that seems really personal. I wanted to circle back to what we were talking about earlier about investors and how you were self-funded for the last six years and wanted to hear a little bit about why you're thinking about bringing on investors now and what that, yeah, what that thought process is like. So this really has more to do with David Wax than handwritten. So this is my second venture. My first company, that text messaging company also was self-funded and I built that up and I was able to sell that off and do pretty well. But that experience of, that was a true startup. There, was, there were a lot of nights where it was just me in a empty room with a two liter diet Mountain Dew sitting by my side nice. as I programmed. Like Healthy. classic <laughs> startup, you know, stereotypical startup image. I lived that. But that company actually took off a lot faster than handwritten. This time I decided okay, well, I'm just going to invest my own money. I'm going to build it up. And I, I never really considered venture until this year when we got on the Inc. 500. And mm -hmm. the problem is, um, or the problem I see, is we're in a bit of a donut hole. Had we gone for venture early on, we would have been great because then we would have had an idea and no track record. Mm -hmm. And we would have built up this company and you know, we would have taken a, an S ton of cash, you know, a garbage truck of cash, and we would have uh, invested all this advertising and built it up really fast. But instead of doing that, I grew profitably and organically, and I reinvested profits back into the company. So our growth trajectory is much slower. Yep. And because of that, now venture capitalists don't even really want to talk to us. They're like, yep. oh, you've only grown at this rate, not 50 times that. I'm like, well, yeah, because I've grown smartly and profitably. Yeah, which now seems to be a focus. Like the tides are turning a bit. I mean, there was... For a long time, you know, just grow as quick as you can. We'll give you a bunch of money. You don't even have to figure out the business model. Do you even have a business? If you want to pivot halfway through spending all the money, it's fine. But I do, mm -hmm. I am starting to see a shift now where, yeah, they're looking for companies to actually grow sustainably, at least some VC firms around here. Right. I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but um, I started to see that. Honestly, I've been so busy. So so we we entertained a few VC phone calls and they were very, very nice people at very, very big firms. And they basically said, oh, well, you haven't grown enough this year. And I said, well, COVID's been going on. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But anyway, so, and, you know, because of that, a lot of our clients were retailers. So we, we lost that business, et cetera. Um, but yeah, so I've actually worked in VC. I've worked for two different VC firms, um, but I've never mm -hmm. taken VC. And I thought it would be good for me personally to go through that experience of receiving VC, having somebody else to report to. Mm -hmm. from a funding perspective, and then potentially down the road, really working for a VC firm as a partner or something like that. And I thought that would be my next transition because, you know, this is company number two. I don't see 
myself going through this process again. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the thought process of, well, if I take VC now, we could really blow this up because I've got a well-oiled machine here that just needs money to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that needs to scale advertising. The technology is pretty much done, although we're doing some really innovative stuff in um, machine vision, machine learning, which I can talk about. But, but that was really, the idea was, I haven't done it before. Let me give this a go if, if anybody's interested. And I had a handful of conversations. They all went the same way. And, you know, I'm short on time these days. So I was just like, well, let me get back to the grindstone and maybe worry about that later. Got it. Cool. Yeah, thanks for answering that. I was wondering kind of where you left off with that. All right. So we only have 10 minutes left. So I was going to shift over to the lightning round brought to you sure. by our friends at Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask you a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, David? I will do my best. All right. That's, that's all I asked for. What one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? Personalization. I, I, think, I think this whole note, whether it's a handwritten note or, or an experience that's personalized when you visit a website or anything else, I think, I think standing out through personalization, there's been study after study by companies like Segment that say that's a huge, huge opportunity. Do you name your robots? No, we name our Aww. handwriting. We know okay. uh, the robots are numbered. So it's one through whatever, 95 right now. Um, we used to have an animated robot. Oh, and I, he still is on our website. If you buy a card, you'll see this little animated robot at the end. Mm-hmm. His name is Penbot 2000. Because okay. when I was growing up, things that ended in 2000 sounded very fu- futuristic, even though they're 20 Oh my gosh, old. yeah. Uh-huh. So he's, his name is Penbot 2000. I like it. What's your favorite handwriting? I like Tenacious Nick. If you visit our website, um, it's a very kind of sweeping block print. I could also check it out. What's up next on your reading list? Um, It's a book by the, it's funny, I've got uh, a bunch of books here. This one is by the head of sales for HubSpot, Mark Roberge. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's called the Sales Acceleration Formula. Okay. And um, it was recommended to me. uh, So I figured I'd read it tomorrow when I have to fly to Chicago. Oh, very cool. What's up next on your Netflix queue? Netflix. Uh, my brother actually is a big wig at Netflix, but um, what I'm watching right now is on Amazon and it's The Boys. I'm trying to finish season two. Oh, is it good? Yeah, yeah it's kind of a dark superhero tale. The one okay. I liked on Netflix, it was 40 minutes and it was great, was the Rubik's, it's called, I think it's called Cubers. Okay. And it's all, it's, it's great. It's, it's actually, um, if you have, if you don't care about Rubik's cubes at all, which I really don't, it was still wonderful. It's the story of two Rubik's cubes, cube masters. And one of them is autistic mm-hmm. and the other, uh, Rubik's cube master, who is just a really nice guy in Australia and the friendship that evolves through these two Rubik's cube masters. That's really good. Hmm, that sounds good. If you were to have a podcast, what would the podcast be about and who would your first guest be? That is and it a can't great... be about handwritten notes. <laughs> well, no, no. I think it would be about one-to-one marketing, though, which is very much in the same vein and probably a sucker answer that I'm giving you. But it would be, how do you market to people on a personal level that doesn't acro- come across as junk because everything's looking like junk? Yep, I like that. That would be what it is, but and I apologize in advance for that answer. No, I like that one. I mean, I think that's much needed now. Who would you, who would you bring on as a guest? Joe Polish, who's a uh, who's a marketing expert, he's quite good. 
there's Dean Jackson, who he, he works with would be a, a good guest for that. There's um, you know, probably somebody from segment um, as they have a lot of data that backs it up. So I'd, I'd want to talk to them. Cool. All right. And then the last one, since you've started a company before and you've sold it and you started another one, what piece of advice would you give to a new entrepreneur who's starting up a new commerce company? Uh, commerce or not, the one piece of advice that I give to everybody um, was told to me in person over dinner. So this is a little bit of a humble brag by Conan O'Brien. Okay. So when I was in college, um, I used to be in this group that would bring speakers to campus and we brought Conan O'Brien. So the guys that organized got to sit down and do dinner uh, with him. And, you know, this is a long time ago. So he was relatively getting starting out, you know, starting out on having his own talk show back then. But the advice he gave us was always get in over your head. That has stuck with me for 20 some odd years now. Always get in over your head. I mean, people give you advice every day, but how much of it sticks for 20 years? And the reason I, the way I interpret that is if you don't get in over your head, you're never going to grow. You're just never going to pull yourself out of your comfort zone and really do something bigger than you thought you could do. So it's, it, I think about it all the time. I like it. Look at Conan coming in with some good, wise words. Yeah. Very good. All right, David. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about you and Handwritten with a Y? Handwritten with a Y. So you can visit Handwritten with a Y, H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N.com. Um, we have at Handwritten on Twitter, um, Handwritten on Facebook. Personally, I'm David B as in boy, Wax, W-A-C-H-S. On Twitter, you can find me there, although I don't tweet very much. If anybody wants to try this service, there's two things I'd, I'd say. Um, if you go to the business page, you can actually request a samples kit um, for free, and that samples kit will have all sorts of different handwriting styles for you, including Tenacious Nick, my favorite, but they're all good. Uh, the other thing is, if you sign up and you sign up with an email and password, you can enter a discount code, enter discount code podcast, and you'll get $5 in credit that you can then use to send yourself a card or somebody else a card or send your first card, whatever. So um, that's that's available for you too. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, David. It's been fun. And we will have to have you back in the future once we hear more about your, or once you can see more about your subscription service and all that. So thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnext in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.